And at this time, we're going to continue a series of lessons that we started last week. And so last month, we did the book of Revelation. And this month, we're starting a series looking at the subject of sin in the flesh and what the Bible has to say in regards to this in the book of Romans. What we can do last week, we looked at making uh, no provision for the flesh and preventing these things by making sure that we are servants of God. From the moment when we are baptized, we become servants of God, and we need to have the mindset that we are presenting our, God, our lives to God as a living sacrifice, that we are dead to sin and buried that old person, and that we've raised the newness of life. And when we do that, that really helps us and blesses us in so many ways to keep us from sin. However, there come temptations and trials in life. And we come to this description that Paul tells us about, which we came to as we concluded the message last week in Romans chapter 7. So we're going to come back to Romans chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 5 through 13 and expand upon that text this morning and think a little bit more about what God is telling us, His instruction for us, the blessings, the promises of God that we have to overcome sin. So as we get into the study further, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you are holy, you are unlike any other, and you are righteous, and you are just, and you are loving. We know that all good comes from you. We know the goodness of your word that you've given to us by your Holy Spirit. As your Holy Spirit has spoken through the apostles and the prophets, and Father, we are blessed this morning to be able to read those words, and we ask that you bless us with wisdom, that we rightly handle the scriptures, and that we draw from the text what we need to know to strengthen us so that we may continue to stand and encourage one another and to stir one another to love and to good works. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be again in Romans chapter 7, verses 5 through 13. And we look at this kind of, uh, it might be a peculiar thing if you never thought about it and studied about what the Bible has to say about sin in the flesh. What does that mean? What's the concept of it? So let's start right here with this question. Uh, what do you struggle to resist doing? What do, you, what do you struggle with? Maybe there's bad habits. Now, you, your, mind, your mind might have already gone to a sin, and we're going to get to sinful things, but think about the things that are hard not to do. Uh, you get very tired, you're going to fall asleep. So there are certain things that um, you have a very difficult time in resisting. I've used illustrations before to to compare things that I might struggle with that would relate to something like we would struggle with sin, and I often use food for that matter. So when you're trying to eat right and do the right thing, and, I've, and if we had a Krispy Kreme here, I would use Krispy Kreme, but I'm going to stick with Little Debbie's. I always go back to Little Debbie's. And so I feel the draw of Little Debbie's when I walk through the, the grocery store, and you know those struggles, certain foods that you struggle with. And if you were to bring a box of Little Debbie's, whatever it is, into my house, and you set it there on my table, it would not make it to the end of the day. I, I have a problem, okay? So I have to stay away from it. I try to stay away from that part of this grocery store because I know what's going to happen. All right, and there's a lot of messages there. When you think about those kind of habits and the things that you do and how peculiar and funny we are, it also seems to also be reflective of how we want to do what the Bible says in addressing sin in our life. So, you might think about that funny thing, that curious thing that you struggle not to do, and, and that could actually help you in some ways to reflect upon who you are and the things that you, you crave. 
Now, at the same time, we have these things in the Bible called sin in the flesh. And we've looked at a list of this. And you can go to Mark chapter 7 and read verses 20 through 23, where Jesus gives a list of these things. And a lot of times when people think about sin of the flesh or the works of the flesh, they often think of, at least what I hear of, is either, first of all, either sexual sin or maybe drug use and alcoholism. But what we looked at, we're going to look at again this morning, is that works of the flesh and sin in the flesh include so much more. It could be anger. It could be the way that you react when someone cuts you off in traffic and, and those things that come out of you. And, you. and I want to make sure that I don't have an arrogant and prideful mind to justify my own sin and excuse myself or to say that, oh, I don't struggle with anything like that. And I think it's very helpful for this. Now, I, I realize in reading through these scriptures, there, there might be a minority, somebody who's grown up in a Christian household, and I've heard, I've had brethren say, listen, I don't understand why they struggle with this sin. I even confronted my friend who's doing it, and I said, listen, the Bible says you shouldn't do it, you shouldn't. And, and, and my friend says he just can't help it. Well, what do you do with that? What does the Bible say about these compulsive sins in the flesh? And there might be a few, a minority of people in the congregation who've grown up in a Christian household who maybe don't, don't understand or realize what some other people are struggling with in regards to that. But as I read these scriptures, I think most of us know what this is like. And if you don't know what it's like, you can go back to my little Debbie illustration. You think about that food or whatever it is that, that draws you, whether it's ice cream or whatever it might be, that you struggle in resisting. So let's take a look this morning in Romans chapter 7. We're going to read the passage. We're going to make some observations and notes from it. That's going to help us to get a little bit deeper and keep the, simple, the lesson as simple as possible. And Because right here in Romans 7, we can get really deep really fast. This might be one of those sections of Scripture that you read and you think, I don't understand what Paul just said, and you just keep going. So I'm, God bless you for continuing to reading and reading it. But we want it to look at it a little bit closer this morning and gain and pull from it as much as we can. All right, so let's start in Romans chapter 7 and verse 5. Let's begin reading. It says, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law. Wait a minute. How are they increased by the law? We can talk about that. But let's keep going. We're at work in our members. That's the members of our body. Sinful passions are at work to bear fruit to death. Nobody wants any part in that, that kind of sin. All right, let's keep reading verse 6. He says, but now we are released from the law. We're not under the law anymore. He says, having died to that which held us captive. We've, we've died to sin that held us captive. So that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So that was our passage this morning that Cohen read for us. But what is this new way of the Spirit? What is he saying here? So we're going to look at this this week and next week and probably the next week more in the detail about what he's saying here by the new way of the Spirit and how Christians are to live. And if you want to get ahead of me, you go to Romans 8 and you'll read more about that. Romans 8 verses 1 through 17. It'll be a great follow-up because that's what we'll be looking at next week. Let's keep reading. All right, verse 7. What then shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, probably referring to his childhood, 
I was once alive apart from the law. When the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. So think more about Adam and Eve. They eat from the tree of good and evil. What happens to them? Their flesh is weak. They're in rebellion. They have death and sickness come into the world. So this is a lot of that similar connection here that we're reading. Let's keep reading verses 10 through 13. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment, it deceived me and through it it killed me. So that the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. This cannot be. He says, it was sin producing death in me through what is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Now, I know when you read that, you might be thinking, I I don't get half of that. And the first time you read it. But I think let's make a few observations here. And I think you'll be able to put a lot more of that together, what we're reading here. All right. So this is what I'm seeing here. We're reading Romans chapter 7, verses 5 through 13. And we're reading that when the living, when living in the flesh, there are sinful passions in the body. We understand this that bear fruit to death. That seems clear. That there are certain desires uh, that we may have. And so some of these, how do they get into the flesh? Are we born with what some would say a sinful nature? Or is it because we gave into a temptation? I remember my parents warning me when I was growing up. They said, if you drink one time, you smoke one time, you use drugs one time, it only takes one time to get addicted. You know, and that sat into my mind, and I thought about that. And the same, this same is true for any sin. You do it one time, or if you even do it two or three times and you give into it, it becomes almost a part of you. It becomes a, a bedded, embedded in your flesh and living within you. And so the Bible here tells us the way to overcome this, how to get away from these sinful passions in the flesh. We'll look at that a bit more. But Christians are released from the law. We're not under the law. Okay, so the law, what does the law do? The law tells you right from wrong. And the law says, gives you the knowledge of good and evil. And so that the law is like this light shining upon your life. And you can see all the imperfections. You're, you're looking in the mirror, mirror and you can see the things that are off and that are not quite right. So what does the law do? Well, the law is good. The law shows me where I need to change, where I need to repent, where I've done wrong, where I need to do better. But what does it also do? Because it shows my sinfulness. But does it help me? Does it release me from from sin? And what Paul says here is, no. There's no law that can do that. But God's grace, He can do that. By His promises. By the strength that He gives us by His Holy Spirit. By the examples that we have in the life of Jesus Christ. We can have this freedom. We're going to look at that some more. But Christians are released from the law to serve in the new way of the Spirit. And, it's a, and I think you know this. You ever had a certain sin that you've struggled with? And what changed about you? When your heart changed? When the things that you looked at changed? Maybe it was certain temptations and things that you saw in your life. When you changed the fringe that you were around, you you became someone who was more mindful of God, you read the Scriptures, you meditated upon them, and you, you prayed. And that you drew close to God, and God drew close to you, and you had the strength to overcome that sin. I believe that's what we see here in the Scriptures, is the way of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has revealed and given us all truth, and we want that truth living within us. All right, let's go back to Romans 7. Another observation here. The law reveals, this is what we're saying, what is right and exposes what is sin. 
And so what Romans 3 says, if you back up, it says the Bible shows and the Scriptures show all of our sinfulness so that nobody can stand with, and, and say that they're righteous before God. You can't be righteous on your own. That we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Remember that, Romans 3 and verse 23? That was the purpose of the law. But the law, what Paul says, cannot deliver one from sin in the flesh. It exposes it. It shines a light on it. But it doesn't deliver you from it. We keep reading here in Romans 7, it says sin, by the knowledge of sin, it took opportunity to deceive and to kill. Now, how, how would that happen? How would the law? Well, the law, if you read it, read the Scriptures, or just knowing what is wrong, and what Paul says, he says, the law said you shall not covet. And he's right. How would we know that coveting is wrong unless the Bible, the Old Testament, and then again in the New Testament we read, you shall not covet, you shall not want and desire. How would I know that is a sin? But when I know that's a sin, we start to realize, wait a minute, I want this, and I covet this, and it becomes apparent to us, our, our sinfulness increases, and it humbles us before God. And so the conclusion is, is that what's wrong here? The, what's wrong is the sin not God's law. God's law, he says, is still holy, right, and good. And God's law shows us sin to be sinful beyond measure. So what do we do with this? You know, some people, they don't want to come to church. They don't want to be around. They don't want to hear about the Bible or hear preaching because it makes them feel what? Guilty. Makes you feel guilty. There's nothing wrong with that if it's the right kind of guilt. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says godly sorrow leads to repentance. We want the godly sorrow, not the worldly sorrow, where we just say, oh, I don't want to feel that anymore. I'm going to stay away from it. I'm going to live the way that I want to live. No, there's, there's a godly sorrow, and it leads to better things. And, and there's nothing I would tell you there to, to run away from. I would draw closer to God instead. And so we see that. We've, you probably have friends and relatives where they hear the truth and what they want to do is just back up away from it rather than draw close to God and seek His strength and His guidance to overcome it. So here Paul is talking about this and he's telling about the state of man. He's telling what the law has done. And he starts to give a picture here of the struggle of sin within the body of the flesh. And what he emphasizes again is no law can deliver anyone from sin in the flesh. Me confronting myself and saying, Scott, you, can't, you shouldn't do that. That's not all that I need to do. I can run myself down. I can go run other people down who I see doing things. Is that going to help them? What they need is the grace and the mercy of God. And so we're going to look at that a little bit further. We continue to see here, because all people sin, well, all people have sin in the flesh. And as I noted before, there might be a minority of people who are somehow out, outside of this. But as far as what I see in the Scripture, most of us are going to struggle with a sin. We're going to have this temptation that keeps coming, and one day we give in to it, and maybe we fight it off our own, our own selves. We buffet our bodies like we might read about in 1 Corinthians 9. But then the temptation comes again, and, well, one out of ten times you give in to it. And before you know it, it might become something that is addictive, something that hangs on to you, and it might be something that you do. Maybe you slander or talk about people behind your back. Maybe you gossip. Maybe you speak angry words. Um, there are a lot of things that can be included in this group of sins, and so as we look at ourselves, we might find that. And that, again, is the law. The law will shine the light on that sin, 
But we don't need to move away from God. We need to move to Him. Pray to Him for His help and His strength and His power, just as Paul does in Ephesians chapter 3. But let's get here a little bit further. So the answer to sin in the flesh is to live in the new way of the Spirit. We looked at a scripture last week from Galatians 5 and verse 6. We're going to look at it again this morning. Where the scripture says, If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you walk by the Spirit. If you follow after the way of the Holy Spirit. And so some people might be wondering, what does that mean? There's a lot of people with a lot of confusing ideas about the Holy Spirit today. We want to make sure that we have the right understanding. So here's a few basic things that we see here. God promises by His power strength in the inner person to overcome sin. And that's in Ephesians 3 and verse 16. Paul prays to God. He says, God, by your power, you give us strength by the Holy Spirit in the inner person. And when you're baptized in Jesus' name... It says there in Acts 2 and verse 38 that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you have that strength, but do you use it? Something to think about. Another passage that stands out to me in thinking about this is Ezekiel chapter 36. We have this prophecy and prediction of the time of the New Testament, New Covenant. And God says he will send his spirit into his people that they would have a new heart and obey his commands. You ever prayed for that? God, help me. Take control of me, my mind and my heart. I want to give it all to you. I hope that we do that. That we would say something like Paul says in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We want to be able to say that. Another thing that stands out here in the new way of the Spirit is that the faithful, this is what we do. When we have a sin in our life or sin in the flesh, as is going to be described here further in Romans chapter 8 and Romans 7, is that the faithful put to death deeds of the flesh by the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you do that? What does that mean? Uh, I think some of us may know. I, I think we know, and, and we, we read Scripture, and we know the prayer, and we know the study, and we know that our heart needs to change. And when that changes and our life changes, it makes all the difference. We know that the Holy Spirit is at work within us, that He is strengthening us. Romans chapter seven fourteen through 17 says this, Let's look at here about this sin in the flesh that Paul describes here, the sin in the body and what it's about. And I think we need to be aware of it. And I know we need to be aware of it because Paul makes us aware of it. This is what he says. Well, we know that the law is spiritual. Okay? He says, but I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. He's talking about the person who delights in God's law and who knows it, But he doesn't understand why he's doing the things that he does. He doesn't know the strength of God's Spirit, of the way to to, to walk in the Holy Spirit. He says here, For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Have you ever done that? You ever had something that you just, you hated, you didn't want to do it, but you did it. Okay? And again, you can use the illustration again about that food that tempts you. I didn't want to eat it, but I did. And sin is... Very much the same way. I didn't want to commit that sin, but I did it, and I hate it. He says, but now if I do what I do not want, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So this is, this is first a good thing, that in the sense that you realize God's law is right, but I've got this sin within me. So a lot of people at this point might want to move away from God, but instead he says, this is, 
This is the goodness of the law exposing that sin. He says, so now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So someone might say, well, if it's not me doing it and it's sin dwelling within it, within me, then does that excuse me? Does that mean that I can continue to live this way? To live with this sin that I'm struggling with? That I should continue to give into it? That I should give up? And so we have this picture here of a man delighting in God's law, but it doesn't excuse him. In fact, Romans 8 says you cannot keep living in sin. Something's got to change. And just to get ahead of myself again, Romans chapter 8 tells you the person who sets his mind on the flesh, this is Romans 8 and verse 5, who sets his mind on the flesh will do the things of the flesh. But the man who sets his mind, who thinks on the Spirit, will do the things of the Spirit. That's what Romans 8 says. So as we look at these scriptures here, you might be thinking, I've, been, I've struggled with sin. God's blessed me. I know the strength that he's given me. I've overcome it. But there are others. I continue to see the statistics among the churches of those who are living in sin. And we need to be there for one another, helping one another, understanding what we're reading here in Scripture, encouraging one another. And so, again, delighting God's law does not excuse us and it doesn't make us good. We keep reading here in Romans 7, 18 to 20. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells within me. He's talking about within my flesh. He says, that is in my flesh. He says, for I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. Well, how can it be that I want to do something that's right, but I just don't have the ability to carry it out? Where am I going to get the strength from? Where am I going to have that ability from? And I think that's another part of this. Because you've got to humble yourself before God. You can't just say, I'm going to pull myself up. I'm going to do it all by my own strength and my own way. You were saved by grace, and it's by God's grace that you've got to also overcome sin. Whatever it is that you're struggling with. He says, For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So you've got a problem here. You're doing something you don't want to do. You know God's law is right, but it's sin that dwells within you, within the flesh. And it carries on. It's an addiction. And it's harmful. And the Bible says that we need to put an end to it. And the Scriptures tell us how. And these are the things that we're studying. So what can any believer do about sin living in the flesh? And again, I would allude to you to Romans chapter 8 to get ahead. But we need to commit to God again. To rely, rely upon His strength, upon His Word. And to prayerfully ask for that. To lean upon Him. So, I wanted to emphasize this. We did this passage last week. But I thought if I just moved over this this morning, someone might get it in their head. Well, sin in the flesh, like I mentioned earlier, is maybe this sin or this sin. But I'm, what I have is not the same thing. Here's what Galatians 5, 19, 21 says. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, that would be sexual impurity. Sensuality, that's lewdness and modesty and uh, uh, sexual talk, perverted talk, idolatry, sorcery. The Greek word for sorcery is pharmakeia, which would imply drug use. Enmity, strife, jealousy. We'd have fits of anger. That's wrath right there. Rivalries. You've ever seen someone who struggled with family rivalry and they couldn't get it out of them? Everything was a rivalry. 
I've seen it. Dissensions, divisions, people who are always wanting drama, always dividing, even going from church to church, causing division. Envy. There's a lot of envy. Drunkenness. And then it says orgies here. It means wild parties, sinful parties. And anything like this, he says, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What are we to do then? What are we going to do about this conflict? This thing that has weakened a lot of us and taken control of a lot of people's lives and continues to wreak havoc, especially in the world, but even in coming into the church. So let's conclude Romans chapter 7. And I'll, the inner is so beautiful and so powerful, you can't miss it. Romans 7, 21 to 25. Paul says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. He says, that's, that's true. I want to do right, but evil is close at hand. He says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, that is the members of his body, another law waging war against the law of my mind. I'm in a war, I'm in a conflict, and you see this throughout the scriptures. If you think about the armor that Christians are to put on that's mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it begins with, put on the strength that God gives you. And then he, he, he gives you the details of the armor of God. The strength that you need. And that might be another lesson connected in this series going down the road. But it's, there's a war waging against the law of my mind. And he says, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. I'm being taken captive. There's a war and the sin in my flesh. And what's Paul's reaction? He says, wretched man that I am. You ever felt that way about a sin you struggle with? Wretched man that I am. Wretched person that I am. God, who's going to help me? Well, that's what Paul says. Who will deliver me from this body of death? From this flesh and sin and dwelling, this body of death. Who's going to deliver me from this? And Paul's reaction is, thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ has the answer. And this right here, and I think the very next verse should probably be the beginning of chapter 8. He says then, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And then he gives the answer. And he begins to develop what we must do. And Romans 8, verses 1 through 17 is so powerful. There's a reason why Romans 8 is, for many people, their favorite chapter of the Bible. Even if you don't understand all of it, you'll read Romans 8, and you feel the comfort and strength of God. I encourage you, read that chapter. There's so much there throughout that whole book. Throughout that whole chapter, of course, in Romans. But sin in the flesh, this is what we've seen. It, it is warring. It is taking people captive. And if you've ever struggled with sin in your life, I hope that you, from your own experience as a Christian, a mature Christian, that you gain God's strength to overcome it. And when you do, that you help others as well. That's what Paul's doing here. Paul said, I want to struggle with the sin. I had the sin in my flesh. I didn't know coveting was so evil. And you know the word for coveting is epithumia. It's also translated lust or desires or wants throughout the Bible. So he's like, I've struggled with these sins in my flesh, but Christ has set me free. Wretched man that I am. And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. We've been delivered. So it's a good and a fitting place, I think, to... To start to conclude this morning, I want to share with you the beginning of Romans 8. And then I'm going to remind you of the passage we looked at last week as well. Romans 8, 1 through 4. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you're in Christ, and how do you get into Christ? You're baptized into Christ. There's no more condemnation of the sin in the law. He says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You've been set free from it. Don't go back to it. Romans 6, in the very beginning of it, remember last week we studied it? He says, you know, since we've been saved by grace, can I continue in sin? Can I continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, no, certainly not. All because you've been saved by it, you don't go back to it. And then he says, for the law of the sin of life has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law Listen to this. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. The law can't do it, but God has done it. How did he do it? He says here, by sending his own son in the likeness, and here's the description here, of the sinful flesh. If you have NIV, it's the sinful nature. I don't think that should be the translation. Sinful flesh. How does sin get in the flesh? You do it. You commit it. You give in to temptation. And he says, Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but Jesus, of course, we know has no sin. But he was tempted in every way like we have. Been. And he says, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. In other words, Christ has condemned sin in the flesh, and he's given you a way to overcome it. And he says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. How is it going to be fulfilled in us? How are we going to be set right? How does this condemnation of the flesh come to its full life in us? It says this, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the way that you live, the way that you think, is the whole of your body. And you read the very next verse, and again, he says, if you set your mind on the flesh, you do the things of the flesh. You set your mind on the Spirit, you'll do the things of the Spirit. Romans 8 and verse 5. I know there's a lot there. And I think there's some people that might read these passages and think, I don't get it. But as we look at it and we study it, and we're very slow in reading it, we see that these scriptures are very powerful and very effective, and we need them, and we need to lean on them. And so I want to conclude this morning with Galatians 5, 16 through 17. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. We're going to continue to study this. And to get a little bit deeper into it, next week we will look into more details in Romans chapter 8. And God bless us in this and the study of it. And this morning, if you're seeking freedom from sin, you want to live in the new way of the Spirit, it begins by your faith and confessing faith that Jesus rose from the dead, repenting, burying that old person in the waters of baptism, rising up to the newness of life, just like we just read in Romans uh, last week in Romans chapter 6. I encourage you, you can be free from sin and the captivity of sin. Obey the gospel. Obey the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Whatever your needs are this morning, you need prayers, you need encouragement, we encourage you to come. We want to pray with you. Find someone to pray with if you're struggling. Let's sing together.